prayer. My prayer this morning, Father, is a simple one, that you would give me a heart for your word and a word for our hearts. Amen. So many sermons, including my children's sermon today, on this text deal with finding Jesus. And I think that for the grown-ups in the room, that might be missing the point. Now, I'm going to use my King James brain, because when we were little, there was no other Bible than the King James, and we learned it with the these and the thous and the... Right? And if you remember, Jesus says to his parents, did you not know that I must be about my father's business? The idea being that in those days, your business and your residence were the same place. And that Jesus was, in essence, checking up on the business of his father. Not his father, Joseph, but on his father in heaven. That's why this sermon is called The Family Business. Do you remember when you drove up to a business and it had somebody's name and sons after it? It meant something. It meant that there was experience. It meant that there was customer service. It meant that there was repeat business because the business wouldn't last through the father's lifetime and the son's lifetime unless there was word of mouth and they did a good job. And there was quality. So, I hope my dry cleaner is not listening to this, but I'm not happy with my dry cleaner, so I've started looking for a new one. And I was driving by one, and it had a name, and I won't say the name, and it had 85 years' experience written under the sign. I said, okay, I'm going to try that dry cleaner. And uh, I, I don't know if you've noticed, but I usually wear a nice shirt with a tie, and I do not ask my beautiful wife to launder starch and iron. The dry cleaner does that. Why? Because I love Vicky, and I do not want her to spend all that time. And we all know that I have the uh, gentleness of a boulder rolling down a hill. I would burn every shirt. There would be that iron print on the back of every shirt. So 85 years experience, I walked in, and the person at the counter greeted me, and, and I... I want you to know that the face of the person who greeted me did not match the name on the sign. I said, oh, are you the owner? And the person said, yes, I am. And there was a Bible on the counter, and I said, are you Presbyterian or Methodist? She said, how did you know? I said, well, most of the Koreans I know are either Presbyterian or Methodist. She said, I'm Presbyterian. Are you a pastor? Yes, I am, I said. Oh, she said, how wonderful to have you with us. I said, well, I'm looking for a new dry cleaner, but I'm sorry, is that your name? <laughs> oh, no, she said. We bought the business and we bought the name. Now, I'm torn because I went in there looking for somebody with 85 years experience and I found a brother and sister in Christ, but that doesn't mean they're a good dry cleaner. So I dropped off my shirts and I'll let you know. Because <laughs> I, am, I am serious looking for a new dry cleaner. Now, you know, I'm going to get emails at the church. Well, you could go here and you could... No, that's okay. I'll keep looking. 
Jesus said, I must be about my father's business. And we know that from the creation of the world, we are part of his father's business. In fact, we have been purchased like the dry cleaners and we have a new name. I want you to think about that. We've been purchased by the blood of Jesus and we have a new name. But that doesn't make us good Christians yet. We've been purchased, but there's some work that we have to do. We get a new name and a singular purpose. And I don't know about you, but we get a great benefits package. Now, the missionaries in the front, they have no idea what a benefits package is on this world, but they get a great one in the next, right? We're going to get streets of gold. We're going to get glorious music. We're going to have a place prepared for us. But we got to get from here to there. So folks, as soon as you give your heart to Jesus, as soon as you give your life to Jesus, you are now part of the family business. But I'm sorry to say, most Christians have no idea what the family business is. So let me help you out. In Matthew 11, 1 to 6, John the Baptist, who we know worked in the family business, is in prison. And he's not sure that things are going the way they should. And he sends some of his disciples to Jesus. And he says, are you the Messiah? Because even though he knew when he met Jesus on the day of the baptism, and that sermon's about two weeks away, he said, Agnus Dei Pecolis Pecata Mundi, Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He announced to everybody that Jesus was the Messiah. But now he's in prison, alone, hungry, cold, damp, and he's beginning to wonder, am I here for the right reason? And Jesus sends back an answer that is, for me, a thumbnail sketch of the Father's business. He says four things. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Now, I got to tell you, when I'm reading this, I don't just use my pastor's brain. I use my psychologist's brain. And psychology tells us that there are, are two meanings to almost everything. There's what we call the manifest content, the obvious, and the latent content, which is the hidden. We use this a lot in dreams. If a, a client, a patient comes in and says, I had this dream. The first thing I ask is, and poor Vicky's going to laugh, is it a wet blanket dream? Is it one that just won't go away? Think Pharaoh and the cows coming out of the Nile and eating all the corn. He couldn't get rid of the dream. Think of Nebuchadnezzar with the great statue and the, the boulder rolling down the hill and becoming a mount. He couldn't get rid of the dream. If you can get rid of the dream, it's not one we need to look at. But if it just sticks with you like a wet blanket, you got to look at it. And there's the obvious content, and then there's the hidden content. So the obvious content of the mission statement is the blind receive their sight. And we know that Bartimaeus sat on the road and just shouted. Could you imagine how annoyed I would be if somebody came into church and just started shouting all the way through the sermon, Doc, 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 you got to talk to me. Doc, Doc, Doc. Would I stop and talk to him? Yes, just to shut him up, which is what the disciples did with Bartimaeus. 
So we have the obvious that the blind receive their sight. But John also writes that you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. There are people that are blind to the truth and they're walking around and they think they can see and they can't. Jesus said, the blind receive their sight. And I'm here to say that part of our job, a part of our, our employment in the family business is we have to tell and live the truth. Now, the second thing he said is the lame walk. Well, that's sort of obvious. Jesus did healings. He healed the man with the withered hand in front of all of the leaders in the synagogue, right? He, he said to the guy on the bed that came down through the ceiling, arise, take up your bed and walk. And he did. Once again, that's the obvious content. Jesus did miraculous healings. But then again, let's talk about the people in the pews. We are all in need of healing. We have broken hearts and broken spirits and broken minds and broken relationships. And we need healing. And I'm sorry to say that there's some things you cannot heal yourself. I talk about this with my counseling patients. There are emotional scars. And I don't know if you have any scars. I'm a bit of a klutz. I have scars all over my body. And they're different than the rest of you. They're hard and they don't bend well. And they, they, uh, they don't feel the same. And if they're obvious, people in this world will come up and ask you about them. If you have emotional scars or psychological scars or spiritual scars. People don't come up and ask. But Jesus can come up and heal them. The lame walk. If you're crippled by a situation or emotions or spiritually, emotionally, physically, relationally, Jesus says, I can heal that too. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm getting excited about this family business. There's miraculous things happen. Not just the obvious but the hidden. Now, the next thing he says, the dead are raised. And, and uh, I don't know if the apostle Paul ever got to hear Jesus speak. We don't have a record of that other than when he knocked him off his ass. That's biblical, right? And he said, why are you persecuting me? But I don't know if Paul heard him before that. Because Paul says in Ephesians that when you were walking you were dead in sin. And Jesus says the dead are raised. And we know that he did raise the dead. He raised the widow's son. He raised Lazarus. And ultimately, he, God raised Jesus from the dead. That's the obvious. But all of us are dead in our sin. Until Jesus says, come with me. I paid that debt. Ah. <sighs> So we've got a healing ministry going here. We've got a, a prayer ministry. We've got a preaching ministry going. We've got a ministry of reconciliation and forgiveness. This is an exciting business. And then he says, the good news is preached to the poor. I had to really wrestle with this because in my mind, the good news is, and you know my favorite test answer on a multiple guess is D, all of the above, right? Right? Salvation, forgiveness, restoration, truth. 
So I think that the good news is preached to the poor is actually a repeat. If you're typing in this day and age, you're going to hit control bold and control underline. It says the good news is preached to the poor, not just the poor financially poor, but the poor in spirit. Why? Because we're all broken and we're all in need of healing and we're all in need of restoration. And oh my goodness, we're all in need of salvation or why in the world are we calling ourselves evangelicals? Because the good news has to be preached. Now, what does that look like for kings? Because we've got to take this message to where the rubber meets the road. Well, I'm going I'm to share three churches that I know who have mission statements because uh, Stephen Covey in his book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, which you know is one of my favorites, has a whole chapter on mission statements. And he says, you as an individual need a mission statement or you don't know where your ship is going. Your family needs a mission statement. Now, to borrow from uh, Dr. Dobson, he says your family mission statement needs to be, I am going to make sure that all my children know the gospel and are believers. And you know that our children, my children, my three made decisions for Christ at home during family prayer time. Well, if you need an individual mission statement and you need a family mission statement, well, then we at Kings need an organizational mission statement. You don't have to make it from scratch. I stole some for you. Here we go. I worked at a church and they actually had T-shirts printed. These were wonderful. And the church's mission statement was, and if you're writing it down, this is a good one, to know him and make him known. Could it be any clearer than that? To know him and make him known. Now, they got a new pastor years ago, and he said that the mission statement was not clear enough, and he took it off of everything. Oh, the church was livid. And they made him put it back. Because if you know him, it's easy to make him known. Like, for those of us who know him, we don't need a big sign that says Jesus. But for the non-believers, they're going to come up and go, okay, who's him? And we get to tell them. So, mission statement number one, to know him and make him known. Now, you know, years ago, I worked at Gloucester County Community Church. They were very upset that we did not put our Christmas Eve service online this year, so I couldn't go sing for them. But their mission statement says this. Our mission is to share Christ, connect people, and serve others. It's that easy. So you could choose to know him and make him known. You could choose our mission is to share Christ, connect people, and serve others. Or I've got one more that I know Rita knows because she drives by it all the time. That new True North Church down on Mullica Hill, right, right by exit 48, it's on the right. About six months ago, it wasn't there, and now there's a big, huge building. It says... You, you never saw, well, now you have to look. Okay, right past exit 50, just before exit 48, that's our exit, it's on the right. About 10 years ago, they started with five families in Mullica Hill. Now they have a building in Mullica Hill, and they have two or three satellite campuses. This is their mission statement. We exist to introduce people to Jesus Disciple them to be fully devoted followers of him. 
So more than Matthew 11, 1 to 6, they went for the Great Commission in Matthew 28. But friends, does kings have a mission statement? The answer is we do. Now, we used to put it in the bulletin before COVID, and then we weren't allowed to hand papers back and forth to each other. And for the last almost, what, 22 months, we haven't had it anywhere. So I thought I'd bring it back and share it with you. Our mission statement is this. We're a body of worshiping believers reaching out to celebrate Christ in our community. If you're blind and now you can see, if you're lame and now you can walk, if you're dead and now you're alive, should you celebrate? Okay, you can't see it on the recording, but I have some reluctant head nods. I'm going to try again. If you're blind and now you can see, if you were lame and now you can walk, if you're dead and now you're alive, should you be excited and celebrate? I feel better now. Thank you. There's got to be a joy in our hearts. And then the joy fills our building. And then people come here because they say this is a joyful place. Why? Because of the miraculous. Because Jesus lives here. So what does this mean for us? You can't grow a family business if you don't understand the family business. I'm going to go back to where we started. Mary and Joseph lost Jesus and they had to find him. Some of us have lost Jesus or we've lost that vision For the family business. The question is, if Jesus were to come back today, where would he find you? Would he find you watching TV? Would he find you at the gym? Are you a gym rat? Would he find you at the diner? Having disco fries? Where? Maybe sleeping. Would he find you at the golf course? Because it was on the news today that it's a perfect day in December to go golfing. And they showed pictures of people who were up early this morning at the golf course. Could you be in your garden? Could you be reading? Could you be cooking? Or are you doing what Jesus did and being about your father's business? I'm going to finish with this story. Bob Weber was a president of Qantas International. And he'd spoken to a Kiwanis club in a small town and was spending the night with a farmer on the outskirts of the community. And they were relaxing on the front porch when the newspaper boy came by. I don't know about you, but I miss newspaper boys. It was sort of fun. They brought the news every day just before dinner. And he delivered the evening paper, and there was a sign on the porch that said, Puppies for Sale. Well, what little boy serving newspapers doesn't want to see the puppies. He says, can I see the puppies, sir? The man whistled and the mama dog came running around and all the little puppies came scurrying behind. And this one little puppy behind all the others came limping along. The paper boy scooped that one up and he said, what's wrong with this puppy? And he said, I'm sorry to say that that puppy's been uh, to the veterinarian and he was born without a hip bone. There's nothing they can do. That puppy is going to limp for the rest of his life. The paper boy looked at the farmer and he said, well, how much are the puppies? 
The farmer said, well, these are purebred puppies. They're $50. And the paper boy searched in his pocket, and he pulled out a 50 cents piece. And he said, mister, all I have is 50 cents, but I'll bring you 50 cents every week, and I'll take this puppy. And he said, son, why, why would you want that puppy? He said, you don't understand. That puppy will never, never be able to run or jump. He's going to be crippled forever. Why in the world would you want a useless pup? And the boy paused for a moment, and he reached down, and he pulled up his pant leg, exposing that all-too-familiar brace and the knee strap holding it. And the boy said this, Mister, that pup is going to need someone who understands him to help him through life. Crippled and disfigured by sin, the risen Jesus Christ gives us hope. He understands our temptations. He understands our discouragements. He even uh, understands our thoughts concerning death. By his resurrection, we have help in this life and hope for the future. So I guess if I were going to simmer down our family business mission statement, I think that would be it. We are in the business of hope. For the blind, for the lame, for the dead, and for the poor, hope. Which brings me to one of my favorite verses, John 3.17. For Christ came not into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Hope. If you're lost, Jesus will find you. If you're hurting, Jesus can heal you. If you're dead, Jesus will raise you. The good news is for all of us who are poor in spirit, for the tired, for the overwhelmed, for the angry, for the depressed, the anxious, the lonely, Jesus has provided the body of Christ to care for you. One last quote from John. I learned this verse when I was probably about nine years old. John 1.12, to as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become. Now, when I was a kid, it was the sons of God. Now they say the children of God. Let's say this, you're in the family of God. Did you hear that? You are in the family of God. What does that mean? You are now working for father and sons. Come and join the family business. Amen.